Welcome back, people. It is Views from the Back of the Class. I am one half of your hosting team, Drew Boston, but you can call me JB, and I am here with my man, Josh. Always a pleasure to see you, sir, and for you guys to be here with us here in the classroom. In the background, if you guys hear us, my homie uh, Remy LeBeau, Bo for short. Hopefully, he'll get himself quiet, and uh, if not, though, he'll be, he may be joining us this episode. Yes, he's the official pet for views from the back of the class Absolutely. podcast. And he's the best. Sometimes. <laughs> Thanks for joining us again. And what do we have on the uh, the curriculum for today, JB? Man, I saw something that came across the, the, the interwebs the other day that kind of shocked me, caught me by surprise, which doesn't usually happen. Mm-hmm. And I was pleasantly surprised, which also doesn't usually happen. Nice. So... We have our Catwoman for Robert Pattinson's Batman, Zoe, Zoe Kravitz. Yes. Love that casting. I do too, actually. Like, she wasn't who I had in mind at all. No. She was on a list of a, like a short list of actresses that, or I guess actors, who were going to do that or who were being considered for the role. She wasn't the one that I was looking at. And I think mainly because, not because she isn't talented. Just because we've seen her before, and I was kind of interested in seeing what we could get out of uh, Logan Browning. Actually, is who I wanted to see, and don't even more know because who that I. Is. <laughs> uh, it was more because I wanted to see her expand on the only thing I've ever seen her in is Dear White People. That's a stretch, right? To go from the character she plays in that uh, in that show to taking on Selena Kyle. So, but uh, when it was announced that Zoe got it, I was like. She's going to kill it. Like, yeah. there's no doubt in my mind she is going to kill it. And that's probably the best choice. Obviously, it was the best choice because they <laughs> best choice for them because she got it. Right. So I'm excited. I mean, I was already down for for the Batman film anyway. I was a little, you know, shaken with the Robert Pattinson thing and then quickly got over myself when I did a little bit of research and. You know, realize he was more than just a Twilight guy. So I think <laughs> this is a little a, bit. He's done a little bit more since then. A few, a few. Yeah, a couple things. Uh, so this is shaping up to be actually pretty dope. Yeah, I'm actually really, really excited about this. I've always liked Zoe Kravitz. I like her band. Not to be all generic and be like, oh, I like her stuff. Right. But you know, I, as as an artist, as an actress, I like her movies. Like, I'm not a big fan of those Divergent movies. I only saw like the first one. I think maybe I saw the second one on TV, like Donald was watching it or something. I was in the room for a couple of minutes. But her characters, I've always liked the way she's uh, treated them. You know, she's always been, you know, she's has many uh, faces as an actress, if that doesn't sound stupid, and, and can be a really, you know, great presence on screen. So I think whatever version of Selena she's going to be playing, I don't know if she's going to be the hooker Selena or like just the thief Selena slash, you know, with a semi-regular life or what. But I think she'll be able to pull it off. And I think that the, I don't want to say the spirit of Eartha Kitt or anything like that. <laughs> nah, but I think her, want Eartha for, Kitt for sure. Yeah, but for some reason, I just think, you know, it's going to not be a, like an old or throwback to Eartha Kitt's Catwoman. But I think it will be some inspiration there. And 
maybe inadvertent or not. I don't know. But no, I could see that as far as having like the sex appeal there. Mm-hmm. And that is definitely part of what Catwoman brings to the table. Right. That right. is kind of her entry point and her way of disarming someone as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, she gets your defenses down in that way because you're too busy staring at her. You're not paying attention to the fact that she's robbing you blind. I mean, I would pay attention to the fact that somebody broke in my house no matter how they looked. I'd be like, yeah, hey, but you, but but she's so dope. You don't know you've been robbed until it's over. That's yeah, true. Cops would be like, well, what'd she look like? I don't know. She was bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I can get a new TV. But yeah, I, I like the cast. You know, I was reading something online when I saw that because somebody was like, this is retribution. You know, some people are like, oh, God, self-righteous words. Like, this is retribution because she missed out on the casting for The Dark Knight Rises because she was too urban. And I was like, yeah, but she was also too young for that role, too. Right. Like, Her versus a Christian Bale Catwoman. I mean, Batman would not have worked very well. No, that would have been like statutory rape or something. I don't know what, but it would have been inappropriate and uncomfortable to see on screen. Indeed. And I'm one of those people I don't really care too much about the you know changing of races of people if it makes sense as long as it's not like you know oh we made this character black to make a statement it's like no we just picked the best person for the role and they just happen to be a different color correct so i don't now i i happen to i guess i don't know because i don't work in this industry but i'd heard some rumblings about that that they had specifically been looking for women of color in that role or looking specifically for you know actors of color to fill out the cast which for the criminals, you know, certainly, I assume, right? Of course, for the criminals, yeah, man. Thought, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know how this goes. <laughs> We're progressive, but we ain't that progressive yet. <laughs> you can be in the movie, but <laughs> you can be a bad guy. It's like, I'm but you can be one with swag, actor. right? No, oh God, I said swag on, on. <laughs> I said swag on the radio. Cut that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she can be one with flair. I, I. I kind of dig what you were where you were going with the earthy kid thing i could see that um as long as they leave the cat puns where they were i'm down you mean for with that. uh holly berry oh crap no. i just thought about something what if this is like a prequel to the holly berry catwoman and she's like well never mind because holly berry became catwoman in that one so never mind doesn't make Correct. sense and that wasn't really directly connected to batman anyway so i know yeah, Zoe Zoe's gonna kill this one though. Like, assuming the writing is good, which I have no reason to think otherwise. But I think she could pull off bad writing, because I think what we're gonna see with this character and just knowing how Selena is written in the comic books and even in some of the animations and stuff, how she's portrayed is like Catwoman's kind of like with Batman. Catwoman is a different persona, so she acts a little bit different, and then she may be a little bit more timid, depending on how she's written. You know, when she's right. Selena versus when she's Catwoman. And I think Zoe can definitely pull that off. And even with, like, bad material. Because there were some scenes in, like, X-Men First Class where she said some lines that were really clunky and just, like, gag. And she made it Yeah. Work. I mean, she did all right with that. There was... I don't know. I'm a little skeptical at that point. I think she's talented. But I think it takes a special type of performer to really pull something out of a bad script Mm -hmm. and i don't know that i trust her quite yet to do that i think that if you give her good material she will she will do well with it i don't know that she's able to transcend something bad and the thing about catwoman as a character herself like if you write her poorly she'll be super corny like super corny and we've seen that 
Because, I mean, let's face it, she's a grown woman dressed up like a cat, right? You've yeah. taken this phrase of cat burglar a little too far. Like, we've seen some examples of that before. Halle Berry, which you mentioned. That movie Michelle Pfeiffer, who around. everybody loves as Catwoman. I thought, you know, some of that was a little too on the nose for me, right? Like, the cat's licking her wounds. I thought that was weird. <laughs> that's Tim Burton, though, right? Right. But that's what I mean. Like, if you make this direct correlation between her and cats and she, you know, crazy cat lady and write it that way. Like, yeah, it's always going to do her thing. But I need I need the script to be solid, especially with with DC in general. Like they they need this one. (laughs) I have more faith in them doing like a solo movie than like the big team up like they've been doing. Fair enough. But let me ask you this in regards to her, her acting chops. Do you know that commercial, the beer commercial she's in, and she's like whispering? I don't think that's Zoe Kravitz. I know what you're talking about, though. The Michelob commercial. Oops. Yeah, that's I Zoe Kravitz. I mean, shout them out. Is that, that her? Is yeah. Huh. I thought it was someone else. I'm 99% sure that's Zoe Kravitz. I'm going to ask Siri. Brag. I feel like that commercial has is the worst dialogue ever. I just think it's a dumb commercial. Like, who, like, why are you whispering at a piano in the middle of like nowhere about beer? Like, what? Was it doesn't bad. connect. It was pretty bad. It's stupid. And it was like a Super Bowl commercial or something. Like, really? For her in like acting and everything like that, that's like a low for me. And even though that commercial was stupid, I don't. Know, I don't think it was like because of the actor. You know, it wasn't bad because of her acting. It was just bad because it was just dumb. Like whoever thought that up should be fired. So I say all that to say that, you know, I'm pretty excited about what this Batman movie's shaping out to be. And all this stuff is a sign that it's trending in the right direction. I think it is. But yeah, uh, what's up with your boy Marty, man? <laughs> just I'm jumping right, right in, in there because this one got me a little yeah. bit hot. And then I came to my senses. Well, <sighs> well before yeah, we I jump think- down his throat, maybe we should... Tell the people who may not know. I'm sure everybody has caught on to it by now, but we should at least set up the premise before we start going in on this dude. (laughs) The living legend. Yeah, let's do that. Right. Martin Scorsese was giving an interview about the the Irishman, and he kind of spoke out against blockbusters. And he said um, he was getting interviewed by Empire, and he said, and I quote, talking about big budget blockbusters, I don't see them. I tried, you know, but that's not cinema. Honestly, the closest I can think of them, as well made as they are, with actors doing the best they can under their circumstances, is theme parks. It isn't the cinema of human beings trying to convey emotional, psychological experiences to another human being. So he's um, kind of talking about the Marvel movies and, well, he's not kind of talking about the movies. He is talking about the Marvel movies. Yeah, directly. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's caused a, a discussion. Within the community, even people who aren't as well versed in the nerd culture like we are have chimed in about what he's saying about these these movies that we love so much. Right. I can kind of see where, where he's coming from because he's uh, well, part of me is kind of like, dude, you're like an executive producer in the Joker. You know, you can't like you can't criticize the genre. Right. And I know the intention for that was supposed to be like a little like an art, not really an art film, but. You know, lower budget, you know, minimum, maybe make our budget back expectations at the box office and not the big, you know, juggernaut that it's becoming or snowballing into. 
I kind of have an issue, not an issue, but I'm just kind of like, how can you critique these kinds of movies? But at the same time, you know, there's, for one, if you haven't seen them, you really can't say what they are. Um, if you haven't sat through any of the movies and say what they are. I mean, he's talked about um, them not being cinema, them not being a, a narrative story. And if you look at movies like The Godfather, there are three movies, central theme kind of throughout all of them. But the first two are beloved and the third one is universally panned. And there's like the storyline is a little weak there. We're talking about a franchise that has 22 movies with one overarching theme through 22 and they're all pretty solid if you know and if you take away the special effects and everything like that it's still i think it's still a pretty great cinema feat for something like this to be done on this scale and in this day and age i agree i mean obviously i agree because (laughs) we enjoy these films we spend so much time talking about them I wholeheartedly disagree with this idea that superhero films in general and Marvel specifically, you know, are not making thought provoking, emotionally gripping, telling tales with real psychological and complex issues. Yes. At the end of the day, it's good guy versus bad guy or good, you know, hero versus villain. And it is a spectacle. That part of what he said I can agree with when he was you know discussing it as uh, I think he described it as a theme park or compared it to a theme park mm-hmm. and I kind of get that um I can I can understand where he's coming from in that aspect of it but you can't tell me something like a Black Panther or something like uh scenes that we got out of Endgame or the the arc that we saw with different characters the relationship between Ant-Man and his daughter and the things that you know, he went through with her and the relationship that happened there. Thor in general, right? His relationship with his brother with constantly back and forth that, you know, always trying to impress or live up to his father. And uh, even though we only got to see her for a brief moment, the struggle with Hela and how that all panned out with she being the forsaken child, essentially, you know, firstborn and rightful heir to the throne, but pretty much banished. Mm-hmm. Like, this is real stuff. And if you take it out of the setting or you take it out of the context of this superhero world and place it anywhere else, you're talking about Oscar winning formulas here. This yeah. is Shakespeare in tights. A bit of hyperbole, I know. But if you'll indulge me, you can see the comparison I'm making. Yeah, I can see it. Um, when you when you said Shakespeare, and I'm just thinking of some of the other you know classical works that we know, um, like Homer and the Iliad, and mm-hmm. I mean the imagery is lifted or like directly that. from these Dumas. classic literature. Um, you bringing up Homer and the Iliad specifically, like maybe not Marvel directly, but DC certainly is pulling very much from Greek mythology, and and really mythology worldwide right it's not just the greeks but certainly uh different nations in africa had deities that were very similar to what we might read in other pieces of literature and these images and these ideas these stories are being lifted directly from that and whether you know someone like a, a martin scorsese wants to see that as credible cinema he's certainly entitled to his opinion and it is it is a valid one he's one who has made incredible movies for decades i got nothing but the utmost respect for his work i'm a fan he's wrong here and and i guess you can't be wrong about an opinion but i feel like sure we can 
His opinion is wrong. <laughs> That's what the internet's for, right? You're wrong. Exactly. You're wrong. There's no in between. No one on Twitter's right. <laughs> I think he's just, it doesn't interest him. And that's okay. Like, right. you don't have to be into this. This is, everything is not for everybody. Right. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't have value because you don't enjoy these things. You know, even the the um, acting and, and interacting with people. Like, yes, I understand in a lot of the movies, there is interaction on green screen and those those sets don't exist and people are um you know they're acting alone like behind the scenes of in-game showing robert downey jr saying i, I am iron man and you see and you're like dude he's by himself that's really weird yeah so i get it but i think there's still an element that magical cinema element that's involved that still draws you in with stuff like that like we know behind the scenes that you know he's he's by himself in this scene or something like that but the way they tie it all together it's still immersive it's still um you're living and seeing this world that 30, 40 years ago never would have envisioned coming alive like this. And I think that's by him saying it's not cinema, that it's like a theme park, tries to cheapen that. Now, right. you know, I love, you know, going to, you know, Cedar Point and, and Six Flags and all those other ones. And there's a reason why people spend, you know, big bucks going there, especially if you have a family. Like, I don't even know how much disney world costs like a hundred something bucks a ticket there's a reason why people are going in there because they want to be immersed in something real or that feels real and that's not really a bad thing to when you think about it to say like all these movies are like a theme park like i see i think i what he was trying to say is that they were kind of cheesy and um not really you know they're not um dances with wolves or something like that where you're going to get a that different kind of experience viewing them but i think at the end of the day as a filmmaker or somebody in entertainment the important thing is the story that's being told and how people feel when they're watching it you know i think right. whether like you said whether he it's for him or not or he you know and i i i stand corrected i think he said he tried to watch him and it just wasn't for him right like i, I get that but at the same time you should still take a step back and kind of appreciate that people are enjoying still enjoying the theater and going even though i mean i guess it could be kind of dis you know disheartening to see the big numbers come out for blockbusters like this and the smaller independent films are still kind of struggling or getting limited releases and aren't getting that kind of acclaim so i get it but i mean you're putting butts in seats and, and it's not like people are going to go are going to go see you know trash movies like, yes, there are movies that have better plots and may be better acted in, in, you know, some scenes and things like that. But at the same, you know, but these are pretty substantial films and, and you know, worthy of at least being acknowledged that, hey, this is more than just, you know, entertainment. This is a film, quote unquote. Right. It, it may not be a person's cup of tea, but you, you, you have to acknowledge its place as it's place in cinema, right? It, it mm-hmm. It's not Citizen Kane. You know, I don't want to oversell the significance of it, but I don't want to undersell it either. Like this is something, right. especially when you're talking about what the MCU is doing, it's unprecedented. Like we haven't seen anything like this before, certainly not in, in films where you are, have this kind of crossover effect through different directors, several different casts and, characters popping in and out and actors popping in and out of films playing the same character the same role 
in a different world, same universe, all under one united vision. Like we haven't had that. And pretty much every subsequent attempt to do that afterward, now I'm speaking strictly in, in the film universe, it has been unsuccessful. The closest that we got is the, the DC universe. And it's just not the same, right? It, yeah. it, however you may feel about the films themselves, the execution just wasn't there. They didn't have the same continuity because Warner Brothers just didn't have the same formula, right? They just were not prepared. It's because I don't, th- and we've said this before, but I don't think anyone, you know, ever thought that something like that would be possible, or they didn't really envision that being possible. No, of pulling it off. No, no. I think it was originally just you know a cool story to tell, and Nick Fury being added at the end of Iron Man is one of those things. Is like if you know, you know, right? And Mm-hmm. It got such a huge groundswell of support. You guys know the story. Man. We don't have to break down the history of the MCU, at least not this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you guys have seen it. And, and the support has only grown 10, and grown definitely. and grown with each subsequent film. Like, this is this is a movement. And it's to the point that, you know, there's so many films and so many different styles and uh, different directors that now within this franchise or within this universe... You ain't even got to like them all, right? They're not they're not the same. They're the same in that yes, it's a superhero. Yes, the stories are similar in that way, but they're not the same stories at all. Like Iron Man is not the same film as a Captain America Winter Soldier. It's not right. the same film as an Ant-Man. It's not the same film as a Guardians of the Galaxy. It's just not. They're different tones. You got you know, spy thrillers, you have your your straight comedy, you know, with a little action thrown in there for good measure. You have a a, a story of a, a royal family and its issues within itself and how it has had an impact, you know, on the global state of affairs. Not to mention, you know, you got you got your space opera and guardians Whatever your flavor is, you know what I mean? You can you can have that. And I think of all of the, the critiques that I've heard recently, because Scorsese is just really one of them. We're going to we're going to get into a couple of more. I think with his commentary, one, if anybody is going to have the critique um, and has the the space to do that, it's kind of someone like a Martin Scorsese. However. Even with uh, aside from that, I think the critique that he made is more has been taken a little bit out of context. You know, people are have been running with uh, a little bit of a quote of an, uh, a larger discussion um, and kind of using that to for whatever agenda, you know, is being pushed just for the sake of conversation, I suppose. And I guess it's working because here we are talking about it. <laughs> exactly. But it really wasn't that he's just like, look, it ain't for me. I don't it's not cinema as I see it or as I have known cinema to be, which he's exactly right. This ain't what we've been accustomed to. One thing I will say, though, before and then I'll get off my man, Marty, is uh, the big budget films are not always just, you know, the big popcorn action movies. Like if you guys get a chance do a little. uh google search on what the budget of his latest film the irishman is might as well be a superhero film with the de-aging technology that he's using 
and it ain't going into too many theaters. Like he's not about to make that money back. They're not making that budget back at all. So it it's kind of a the timing of it is awkward, I think. And mm-hmm. it puts him in a in a little bit of a bad position to make those type of critiques when your current project that you're pushing, you know, is on the same scale of of these movies that you're deadpan and it's I don't know. It's an interesting thing to see if nothing else. Yeah, and it's actually interesting to see the like pushback against it. And yeah, I think most yeah. of it's been pretty like up and up and everyone's been pretty much respectful. Like, hey, you can have your own opinion. But at the same time, you know, it's kind of weird that you would say this. Like James Gunn had a pretty interesting reaction to it because he was like saying like, oh, I'm, I'm actually, you know, you're you're one of my idols. I look up to you and I'm actually kind of hurt that you would judge my work and you haven't even seen it. Right. Right. But and I, you know, Kevin Smith, who's one of the most notable nerds in the world, kind of spoke out against it and, and, and gave his two cents on how this is challenged as not being cinema. And, I, you know, I respect uh, Martin Scorsese, too, for, you know, not backing down and and, and saying, like, no, I, I know what I said and, and I meant it. Um, yeah, I can't, I I can't remember good. respect that. Yeah. I mean, it's your opinion. It's nothing wrong with having it and having your position. Like, there's nothing wrong. We can meet in the middle or we cannot. Like, life's going to go on. It's not that big of a deal, ultimately. Right. Um, it's just an interesting perspective from somebody in the in that side of the entertainment world on something that's so big and influential. Now, one thing I think that was kind of weird is he was saying that, you know, we shouldn't be invaded by it. And I don't know. Yeah, I thought that was weird. I would like to more context on what he means by that. Like, as I've been thinking about it, and I'm like, movie um, com- or companies are going to produce stuff that makes money. I mean, that's the end of the game is to to make money and, and you know, put something out there that's going to put butts in seats. Right. But I don't feel like nothing that Marvel has done other than, you know, the re-release of Infinity War with, you know, what was it, 10 minutes of footage or something? And it was, you know, two or three scenes or, you know, one montage and then two scenes. And then, like, a re-release of uh, Far From Home. Nothing that Marvel's really done to me has seemed like it's a money grab. Like, they're just putting it out there to get people to come see it. You know, it's not like, oh, Iron Man 5 is out. We got to go see it. You know, Hulk 2 is out. We have to go see it. Right. It's all been with the purpose of adding to this story and building on it and building on the universe and laying the groundwork for what's to come. And... I think the the difference, too, is like Marvel is doing something. Yes, they're trying to make money. And but at the same time, they're also trying to tell a story that, you know, the super fans, the people who, you know, grew up reading Iron Man and Guardians of the Galaxy and, and who know who these B-list characters or who used to be B-list characters are. But they're also trying to make something you know, that can be enjoyed by people who aren't as familiar with that space and can enjoy it as well. And you can't discount that. You know, you can't. I don't feel like they're just throwing it at me. You know, like, oh, it's another one. Because if that was the case, it would be like, remember back in the day, that weird transition period in between streaming, when Netflix was doing discs and transitioning yeah. to streaming? And sometimes you would go to like GameStop or something, they would sell DVDs and they were like those direct to DVD movies. Correct. It was like Steven Seagal and like Bruce Tom Willis Tom had Madden a bunch of them. Yeah. Yeah. I would consider that invading, you know, like Conan the Barbarian 17 or something. <laughs> <laughs> Leprechaun these, in these the hood. Are, exactly. There's heart in these films and it's a reason for it. You know, it's not, I would argue that 
if he should take aim at anyone, it, it would be more so the DC side because they had something going, and we've talked about this topic to death, so sorry, guys. But, you know, they had something going for him in, in uh, Man of Steel, and then they just jumped the gun and were like, we're going to do Batman versus Superman and Justice League and no build-up to it. You're getting it. That's uh, I think, is more invasive than what Marvel did. I think Marvel is being made the scapegoat of a larger point, though, which may be valid. So the points that you just made about you know, the cash grab versus, you know, just a, a, a number of films being made. I think for Marvel, yes, that has been the case, right? It's, it is, uh, each movie has had a purpose and, you know, a place in the universe. But when you look at the state of affairs around superhero content, it has exploded and film studios are kind of now only interested in franchises and i think that is the larger discussion to be had and i think that's kind of what he's referring to is as the invasion they're interested in franchises uh, they want these big pieces of ip to build a, a world around that's the invasion right it, it, it really has kind of changed the business of film because of the success that marvel has had but as i said it hasn't been able to be replicated we we rag on dc a lot <laughs> unintentionally it's, so it's, it's unintended consequence they just you know naturally being compared but if you look at i did testing and uh the focus groups love when we rag on DC. <laughs> i can believe that <laughs> more of it but if you look at like universal right we don't talk about them enough but they had the most oh, epic of fails the most yeah, epic of fails one, because yeah, the, the first to... movie they put out wasn't a good one, right? The mummy sucked, but right. they put the cart before the horse. You know, they start making all of these announcements about all of these films that they're going to do with the Universal Monsters, and we're building this whole universe. And it, like, yeah. dude, make one good film first. They wanted to bring back these old timey monsters because they think that's what we want to see. I think people we do want to see, see those, though. I think people would be be down for those movies, like. I don't know. I, I do. Look at, I mean, this is the time of year for it, right? Like, horror films actually do really well. I mean, I guess around Halloween especially, but people like monster films. I think right. I think they would have worked. I think their execution was poor because, again, they're trying to sell a, a universe without having ever sold an audience on a film. If you mm -hmm. make the people care about the first film then you build from there you cannot create this world and invest all of these resources into this universe and this world that you want to build without really having the audience for it yet and what ends up happening is movies that don't fit that model right that isn't going to be part of a larger universe or that isn't going to be this great spectacle movie they don't get the same opportunities and I do see where that could be a problem, right? Because everything does not have to be a super big budget superhero film. Right. I like them. And you can certainly tell, you know, a variety of stories within that genre. But other than Disney, like studios ain't printing their own money. You know, there's <laughs> a finite amount of resources to go around and somebody's got to lose out. And if you're just yeah. looking at the business part of it, 
superhero films have proven to be bankable. You know, that's where people are sending their resources and it has extended beyond film. I mean, look at how many television shows have a superhero slant to them. Some of them are directly related to Marvel or DC proper. Some are extensions of it, right? You had uh, Krypton on sci-fi, which I thought was a stupid idea. I've heard that, you know, good things about it, though. I mean, it's canceled canceled now, but I actually started watching it. It wasn't bad. I stopped watching it because I heard it got like. I was watching it, it, it over got the canceled. summer, and it got canceled. I'm like, well, I'm not going to get more invested in this because it's done. Like, right. It's over. It wasn't bad. Same thing with uh, Pennyworth. Pennyworth, mm-hmm. I heard, was really, really good. It was another one that I just, eh, doesn't, didn't pique my interest, right? That's just too far on the fringes for me. And I like Alfred as a character, but I wasn't going to be invested in the show. But that's the reach. Nah, me either. That's the reach of this culture, though. And I, as a fan, I'm here for it. Now, I would be here for uh, Alfred show with like a young Bruce Wayne. And he's like Mr. Belvedere. I would watch that. <laughs> like a sitcom, a Gotham City sitcom. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> as a as a fan, I'm 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 into that, right? I'm I'm down for all of this. As a creator of content, I can understand the frustrations that people might have. But like I said, he's about the only person that has come out with this stance that I can say, all right, I see the point that you're trying to make. There are so many other people, like right now, this seems to be the thing to make. And what it really kind of boils down to, to me, it seems in most cases, y'all just mad because you're not being called to do these films. (laughs) Like Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, she's another one who stepped up. Yeah. I won't say her critique, but she she threw some shade in an interview. Absolutely. Absolutely did. What what she's, I don't want to spend my life acting on a green screen like yeah. you just doing these great oscar winning performances <laughs> i mean and it's not to say that she's not talented right and she has done some good work but her has she though she has she's done some she's done some good stuff i mean I, okay i don't want to diss jennifer aniston <sighs> i mean she has like say- along came polly was was good certainly not like an oscar film right but it was right it was a good movie was the breakup the one with vince vaughn yeah the breakup that was terrible well it was all right i ain't gonna say it was terrible she did one with one with um adam sandler she's done several movies with adam sandler as a matter of fact her (laughs) most recent film is with adam sandler like you got no room to talk you doing these trash adam sandler movies on netflix and that's no diss to netflix like i i rock with them heavy so I got her quote pulled up, right? Let me read it. So she was being interviewed by a variety. Yep. I don't know why, but she said, here's her quote. It wasn't until the last couple of years when these streaming services were just sort of exploding with this amount of quality that I actually started to think, wow, that's better than what I just did. And then you're seeing what's available out there and it's just diminishing and diminishing in terms of it's big Marvel movies. Or things that I'm not just asked to do or really that interested in living in a green screen. So she's kind of saying the same thing that we just discussed. But the tone in which she said it and by tone, obviously, this is a red quote, not a, you know, not an audible one. Y'all know what I mean by tone, though. <laughs> right. Like you can hear the Hayden in our voice or in, in the way that this quote comes across. <laughs> like, look, yeah. Look, you did horrible bosses, which was a great movie. Again, it was it was funny movie, but I don't I just don't feel like where Scorsese has this body of work of like 
top notch filmmaking to kind of back up his credentials, which is why I think the response that he got is probably very different than that of Jennifer Aniston, mm-hmm. among others. But she just don't she doesn't have the same body of work. Not that she's not talented, not that she hasn't done a whole lot because she has. She's done. Right. You know, several, several movies, a few of which I thought were pretty dope, but she's done. She's had some thinkers. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And, and like you said, it's like you're you're like, what freeness of speech do you have to speak on this? Because you've done uh, Mother's Day. I think that's the name of the movie. It was like an ensemble cast. It was horrible. Yeah, she was in that. She was she was in Leprechaun. Speaking of that, that's two Leprechaun, yeah, Leprechaun references well, in that one was show, a- people. <laughs> it's a views from the back of the class record. Believe that. Um, I'll give her a pass for that one because that was earlier in her career. But I mean, come on, like I'll, I'll probably get hate mail for this. I don't care. Bring it on, you nerds. I I don't care. I'll tell but you she, what was not late in her career. I mean, early in her career. What? Murder mystery. I don't even know that one. That's the latest Adam Sandler Jennifer Aniston movie. Oh, that's the one I fell asleep on. Okay, I believe it. But she was on Friends. Like, come on, like you're 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 saying it's diminishing, but you're on one of the most overrated shows of all time. Like, it's they, they are coming for you, Josh. Oh, for sure. Bring it on. I don't, <laughs> Just I don't so you know, bro. Oh, if I've upset the people who watch Friends, ooh, I'm really afraid. Like, <laughs> could I be any more afraid? <laughs> I mean, come on. And I'm not I'm not knocking Friends, right? Like, I am. Because it is overrated, but at the same time, like you can sit back and watch it and be like, "Yeah, it's kind of funny," but you're talking about like it's diminishing. It's diminishing. It's diminishing cinema. How is it diminishing cinema? Like it's not. Talk to the studio know, heads is is where I feel about that. Like if if opportunities are not there outside of these um, tempo franchise type films, that's that's the issue but is that the fault of you know the mcu for being successful no like no disney and whomever is they like that's this is a business more than anything else and if you have a formula that works it gets replicated that's just kind of how it that's just kind of how it goes and problem that's how it's is always gone yep and the thing about it is like there's enough space for everything to kind of like coexist you know you just kind of have to find it you got to find a different lane or find a different way of of making making this content work Mm -hmm. and there are certainly more avenues than ever to do it and that's why too you we you know we started seeing a lot of um uh, film actors and actresses go to tv you know like in the mid-2000s you had glenn close go to damages on fx and then right. went to like some other channel or something like that danny devito on always sunny, sunny. Philadelphia. Yep. there's some others i can't think of right now who are a-list stars and they have these tv shows that they're on i mean you had halle were... berry she came to television for a, a minute regina king has been back and forth between film and television pretty seamlessly yeah. Uh, throughout her career, yeah. goodness, I'm looking at her face and I cannot think of the actress's name at the moment. Amanda Waller. Oh, uh, CCH Pounder. No. Oh, Viola Davis. Viola Davis. Thank you. Isn't um, that funny how when you say Amanda Waller, I think of CCH Pounder. Yes. And only the role over <laughs> Viola Davis. I mean, she, she, Viola Davis was dope. Like, uh, don't get me wrong. Oh, she was, she was a beast. Yeah. But that role belongs to CCH Pounder. CCH Pounder has the voice. Um, I think. 
I'm, I'm about to call her Amanda Waller. Viola Davis. She brings something else to it, man. She she's a she's a monster on film for sure. But she's you know she's Oscar nominated actress in film, and she got a television show. Like you, you, the opportunities are there. You don't have to do only these films. But the fact of the matter is, it's here. You know what I mean? And it's just coming off of sour grapes, in my opinion. Now, do I have an issue with the overabundance of it? Not exactly. But when I see things or I hear about things that appear to be just a cash grab and that's when I have an issue with it, because then you're you're kind of giving some weight to these type of comments like I had it in mind and I can't think of. It. Oh, the, the Sony verse. That's a great example oh. of what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. They're like, all right, well, we don't have the rights to Spider-Man, but we're going to use all these other characters that are attached to him. We're going to build this universe without Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got Venom out of it. Eh. To mixed results. Well, mixed results as far as how people felt about it, but the dollars speak for themselves, right? Until right. this year, it, it had been the highest selling movie uh, or highest grossing movie in October uh, for an October release. Um, which I can't got, believe that because usually they don't release anything but like horror movies in October. So that's not true. But at the know, same, I mean, I guess compared to that, yes, it, it there the caveat of it being an October release, you know, makes it sound more impressive than it actually is. But it still made a ton of money, like way more than I thought it would have made mm-hmm. to the point that it now makes this a viable option for Sony uh, to try this out again. Mm hmm with morbius like (laughs) jared leto is morbius and it's it's beyond greenlit it's like he can wear the same makeup he wore in uh justice league or uh suicide Suicide squad (laughs) and it's gonna be just as bad oh god but but stuff like that right like sony has seen the marvel model like all right we we're gonna do this we're we're gonna try to figure the same thing out um, and try to get some of this superhero money. It is what it is. I don't think it's diminishing opportunities. Like everybody's favorite movie of the moment is essentially playing in the superhero sandbox, right? In the Joker. Mm-hmm. This movie appears to be exactly what I was afraid it was going to be. Um, this didn't need to be called joker right this did not need to exist in gotham city todd phillips the director i don't have the quote in front of me but what he basically said was you know we're gonna take the superhero genre and and turn it on his head and tell real stories just in the world of superheroes like that's been happening that's what that's what's been happening you know what (laughs) i mean it's just an utter disrespect for the the genre or you know this superhero space but you still want these dollars and that's really what it kind of boiled down to with that i I was in the comic book store a couple weeks ago shout out to cosmic comics and we were out you know uh dave and i the the owner were having a discussion about this and he and i were thinking the same thing like you know just call this movie clown face if it's if if that's it right don't don't dip into the superhero sandbox when it's when it's convenient for you if you don't respect it, if you don't respect this culture and make no mistake, that's what this is. 
either you get down with it or get away from it. It's kind of how I feel about it. I was and I may be the minority in this one. I, I was kind of upset at that comment and that point of view. I did not want this Joker film like I did not need to have him be a sympathetic character. It couldn't have been more obvious to me from the very beginning what this was going to be. And so now we're supposed to feel sorry for him or maybe not feel sorry, but we could see how, oh, yes, I could see how this would, you know, cause someone to go on this rampage. Like, look, to quote the the great American philosopher Rico, <laughs> get shot every day, B. <laughs> I mean, bad stuff happens, right? And you could tell this story, the exact same story it's of... Like, it's like uh, falling down. All it is again. like falling both down, but incre- like incredibly more violent. Like, way more violent. But that's exactly what it is. It's falling down. Thank you. That's what I'm here for. But if you call it falling down, or if you make reference to it as falling down, it doesn't make the same amount of money. You put it in Gotham City, you call it the Joker, you make him interact with a young Bruce Wayne, you get all of the nerds, you know, all riled up and, and wanting to see it, and there you go. You know, there's the there's the money. It kind of became a money grab in and of itself in that way. The film got good reviews. People it's very divisive, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess, at best. I mean, honestly, I've I've I have i have not heard anything bad about it. I have heard people who who have kind of like the similar position to us. Like, I could have done without, you know, sympathizing with with this character or feeling like I sympathizing with this character. Because I remember reading um, an article with the director and he was saying, like, when you're watching this movie, you should not want to sympathize with this person. You should want to be like, I don't want to be this guy. Um, And that doesn't seem to be what the consensus is. No, I haven't seen it yet, but. But of but of course that's what he has to say, right? Because if he's exactly. if he doesn't say that, and some lunatic, which I'm shocked beyond all belief that nothing has happened, you know. But Thank if some you. lunatic decides to to do something along those lines, they're gonna have to bear some responsibility behind that, right or wrong. You know whether that's justified or not. It would happen that way. So that was that was a little bit of spin work to try to distance themselves from anything that could potentially happen. It's in a nutshell for me. I think that I'd like to see I'd like to see superhero films get, you know, just get more respect. I mean, look at a film like Logan, right? Well, no, Logan is basically a Western Mm-hmm. Who's going to see Westerns in, what was it, when did it come out, 2017? Uh, Something like that, yeah. Ain't nobody checking for Westerns like that in 30 years. And it was a, and uh, they were able to bring back that genre of film, you know, under the, the superhero umbrella. Like, that's what this is doing. You are introducing film and cinema to a generation of people who may otherwise not have gotten into it or may not have connected to it the same way. I don't think superhero films are bad for cinema. I don't think that they are, you know, swallowing up or taking over as as are being said. But I think 
you know, it's a force to be reckoned with. And just like everything else, it, it comes in waves. And right now it's it's our time. You know, there was a right. time when rom-coms were running it. Mm-hmm. And, every, and Matthew McConaughey was everywhere. Him and Kate Hudson. Yeah. Like how many <laughs> times do these people fall in love and not fall in love and fall in love again in the same film? Like we've seen this. Right. Wait your turn is all I'm going to say. Get down or get out the way. That's, I think that's really how I feel about it. I don't even think it's that big of a deal because it's like in the case of Jennifer Aniston, she's like talking about the big blockbusters and and harping on that. And, you know, she's trying to say like independent movies should get more shine. But really, they never have. No. Like that's and I'm not saying it's that's okay because there are some really good independent movies out there and, you know, smaller budget movies that are better for what they are in, in that respect. And that doesn't have to change or anything like that. And that's not going to change. But, and like you were saying about Westerns, you know, like the, I was trying to think, like, when was the last Western that came out that was somewhat, you know, successful? And I was like, oh, uh, The Hateful Eight. And I was like, what was the last one before that? Like Django. But even then, that was on a smaller scale financially in box office. But also, too, that's because it was it had uh, Tarantino's name. That's, that was the it. selling point in, in both right. of those cases. Right. And, and I think so, I think Logan came out before the Hateful Eight. I think probably did, or around the same time, or something like that. But I think I think you're probably right. But just you know that genre is not it's not really that big of a draw. Yeah, there are people out there who who do who will see uh, um, Western because I remember going to see uh, True Grit. Yeah, like I remember going to go see that year when it came out and being interested in that partly because of who made it. It was like the Coen Brothers, I believe. But, you know, these small independent films and, and smaller budget ones, like, you can still make them. People are still going to go see them. But at the same time, you have to realize that it's not going to make a billion dollars in the box office. And it's not going to upend the masses like some of the the blockbusters because that's what the blockbusters are designed to do. Correct. We're just fortunate to be in a, a time or live in a day and age where they're not just blowing stuff up, but they're actually, you know, putting decent stories out. Because there was a time when, you know, those blockbusters, horrible. Like, just, like, they were fun when you watch them, and then you go back, and you're like, that was really stupid. <coughs> Transformers. <coughs> <laughs> the first one was good. No, it wasn't. The next 12 were terrible. The first one was not good. It was just, it looked cool. It was still bad. I don't I haven't seen it in so long, but agree to disagree at this point. I th- I think it was good for what it was, but... I mean, I don't think it was anything profound, but no, but yeah. So, and as far as storytelling, I think that the movies that are being made now under the superhero umbrella, vastly superior to that. Like Justice League was better than Transformers. No. Yes. Absolutely. I said it. Nope. Nope. No. We're going to have to, we're going to have to ask the people about this one. I'm standing on that one. You can. Print it. You can. It's going out there, and, and you will be proven wrong because there is no way on earth that <laughs> Justice League, the live action version, not the like DC released ones, right? The live action, yeah. Mustache no. gate and all. Nah, nah. It's no way. There is nothing in that movie that's better than Transformers. I would highly disagree with that one, and that could be a whole other. That could be a whole other <laughs> debate. If we would like it to be. And in fact, I think that's what we should do. 
I think we should go ahead and we'll put it online, make it a debate and see what you guys, the classmates, think about that one. They're going to put up a couple me. of a couple of debates on that one. One. Well, you guys can answer the question that we've been talking about today. Is it. Uh, well, first, which one is better? Justice League or and I'll even let you pick which Transformers movie it could be. One through whatever. You just said, you just said Transformers, so it's got to be the first one. Okay. One. Okay, we could do that. Transformers 1 versus Justice League. We'll put that out there. The other question can be this. What do you guys think? Do you think the Jennifer Aniston's and Todd Phillips's and Martin Scorsese's of the world, do they have a point or are they just hating? We'll put those both out there. We want to hear from you guys. You let us know. Thanks for listening. Uh, we want to thank you guys for listening, uh, checking in with us this time. Um, before we get out of here, you know we got you know what we got to do. Homework. Josh, what you got for the people? Go watch Transformers. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> so I have a book. Uh, it's two of them, and I didn't select these for the time of year or anything like that it just happened that i read them a couple months ago and i was like i need to recommend these soon um they were just in a list of things to recommend so it's two comic books called wild bullets follows the bullets family as they go on two different adventures one's wild bullets thanksgiving and the other is a wild bullets christmas pretty fun i'll start off and say you know it's about family obviously getting together for the holidays um One's a private investigator, one's a mad scientist, one's an explorer, one's, I can't remember what she is, she's, I don't know, like a doctor or something, I don't know, I can't remember. But each part of their story, it's all interconnected, and each part is illustrated by a different artist, and it's by, um, printed by Michigan Comics Collective, and you can find it online, it's Wild Bullets, really fun, really pretty cool artwork, and, uh... You know, I enjoyed reading it, so hopefully there's another one that comes out. I think the first one was published a couple years ago. I think, like, back in 2015, the next one came out, like, the year after. But I enjoyed reading it. I think you guys should check it out. I think you'll like it. Um, Remember, support local. Don't always go with the big two who are diminishing, you know, comic books. (laughs) They're taking over, right? Killing other opportunities. They're killing comics, DC and Marvel, and sometimes Dark Horse. An image. I will say this though, you know, we're, we're being a little bit facetious about it with that, but I think that's a discussion worth having, whether they are, because that is certainly uh, a discussion that people have had. So we'll we'll explore that maybe at a a, a different episode. You make a good point with that one. Uh, for what you, me, what you got? So I um I was leaving a comic book store last week. Right, I, I walk out and just randomly run into this dude. So he's like, uh, say, hey, did you just buy a comic book? So, you know, me, smart out. Like, I was like, I just bought several comic books. <laughs> <laughs> then he knifed you, right, and stole your wallet. Nah, I would have, I'd have, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey, nah, I just bought several comics. He was like, oh. So we, we started talking about something. He asked me if I knew about a- Afrofuturism. I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, you ever heard of Afropunk? Yeah. So we're talking, talking, talking. We actually have a, a pretty good conversation. It was the most random thing ever. And he did actually <laughs> end up putting me on to some stuff when I'm putting you guys on this week. 
because I was unaware of it. So anyway, yeah, we we were talking and um, he actually did finally put me up on something. So it was a guy that he said he was working with by the name of David Kirkman. Uh, and this is you guys homework. Go out and look at the trailer. There's a couple of trailers, actually. Again, the filmmaker's name is David Kirkman. Yeah, I know I'd be standing for anything, anything on the milestone label. And this is actually from Icon, uh, which is essentially when people was talking about a black Superman, like Icon would be just that. But his story is actually way doper <laughs> than Superman's. Go go ahead and go back and read up on it, but definitely check out um, Icon, the short film by David Kirkman. If you happen to be in the Chicagoland area, they're actually doing a screening in Elgin, I believe, at the Marcus Theater. Cool. Definitely check that out, though. David Kirkman is the name. Um, Woke Nation Entertainment is actually his company. But yeah, this this guy that I guess was working with David um, just kind of put me on to that. And I was completely unfamiliar with his work. I checked out some of his other stuff. It's pretty dope. So uh, he put me on. So now I'm putting you guys on. Check it out. I'll look into this tonight, actually. Yeah, it's not that long. It's definitely worth a watch, though. I'd like to know what you think. Well, with that being said, again, I want to thank you guys for hanging out with us uh, for another episode. Definitely like hearing from you guys. So make sure that you hit us up online. And Josh, where can the people find us? Like and subscribe. And review. And review. Five stars. Yes. Well, I'm not going to pimp myself out and ask for five stars. But, you know, I'm going to pimp myself out and ask for five stars. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, subscribe to whatever you listen on. Uh, however you listen to podcasts, you know, leave us a review if they let you do it. Um, iTunes is really where it's at in, in this industry. Um, that's kind of how people find, I don't want to get in a whole spiel of things, but apparently like people with iPhones and crap, listen to more podcasts and like Android people or yep. whatever. But, um, anyway, you can find us on Instagram at views from the back of the class underscore pod. You can find us on Twitter at the other N word N equals nerd um you can email us viewspod at gmail.com and you can even call or text us at 312-521-0527 and we will get back to you most definitely that being said y'all know how we do this class dismissed